So let's sit for a few minutes and I'll give some instructions. Um, I'll give you some questions to sit with as part of your sitting practice. And I'm here I'll be uh, echoing or mimicking Saida uh, Utejaniya, uh, the way he gives instructions or the way some of the people who've studied with him many, many years give instructions, meditation instructions. So take a minute or so and, you know, set up your posture, sit upright and relaxed, but not too relaxed, <laughs> meaning we, we don't want to go to sleep because it usually doesn't help waking up so much to go to sleep, but to sit upright in a way that feels comfortable and then relax. And one of the questions, the question to start with as you sit here, are you aware? And I'm not asking you to try to be aware of awareness and look for it, but just notice if you're aware. If you discover that you're aware, what are you aware of? And it doesn't have to stay as one thing, could be you're aware of something now and and you're aware of something else now but you're aware that you're aware and then you want to be aware of what are you aware of? There's a third question that you can posit as part of your practice this afternoon. In addition to the question, are you aware? And what are you aware of? What's your relationship to what you're aware of? And the answers to these questions, these questions, are you aware? What are you aware of? And what's your relationship to what you're aware of? may come with some cognitive answer or a felt sense answer or a very intuitive answer. 
and then see what happens if you spend your time meditating in response to these three questions. Are you aware right now? What are you aware of? What's your relationship to what you're aware of? Continuing in a very relaxed way to notice, are you aware? What are you aware of? What's your relationship to what you're aware of? The Buddha said that the purpose of mindfulness is to understand. The purpose of mindfulness is to understand. And it's one of the metaphors he used for awakening. Sometimes he said, he talked about um, re, uh, realizing the sure heart's release. <coughs> was another way he talked about it. But sometimes he used one simple word was to realize, to to start to understand reality, to understand the truth or the Dharma, which is a very simple way to say it. One practice is to realize the Dharma. Dharma good translation is truth. <clears throat> and so uh, understanding becomes part of the uh, process of practice that we're here because we want to learn things or we want to be free of things or we want to wake up or we want to understand reality and be able to respond to reality in a real way. And, and I use different words, I would say, in a mature way or a full way or a complete way. Um, <clears throat> and by that I mean using the uh, 
presence that comes with practice, that isness that comes, the here-ness that comes, that I'm using the word pres- presence to summarize, the presence that comes with practice, and also all the qualities of what it is to be a human being. So the kindness or the heartfulness uh, that we're capable of as human beings and the intelligence that we're capable of as human beings and uh, all the capacities that we have that we recognize when they're not bound to the usual habitual um, um, sense of self are quite beautiful. If you meet uh, if you meet the Dalai Lama, for example, and you you hang out with him a little, oh, you think like this is a great guy. He's and and the great guy means he's a very full human being, and he's meaning he's real realized, and he can he has he manifests his heartfulness and his kindness and his care and his love and his intelligence and his strength and his power and and all the components that we have on relative levels as human beings in a mature way and by mature i mean in a dharmically mature way and dharmically mature one way one part of that understanding is the sense of self and not self that it's not us doing it it's what can come forward with practice it's part of what are called the the fruits of practice or the or the uh, jewels of practice and of course the jewels sometimes are summarized as buddha dharma and sangha Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. These are the three jewels or the three gems or the three components that start to wake up and it's not us just doing it. It wakes up here. We start to realize, oh, we are the Buddha. We are the Dharma. We are the Sangha. We are not separate. And so that kind of understanding at any level is part of waking up is part of what practice can bring. <clears throat> and one of the reasons I like to include understanding is because it's such a normal component of what it takes to be a human being, right? Like we have to understand a little bit of what the hell is going on to just function in the world, right? Everybody got that? You know, it's, you know, if you, you, you need to understand if you're coming from San Francisco and you want to go to Spirit Rock, here's the roads you have to take, right? That's a very basic level of understanding and an important level of understanding. You know, some people think, well, if Spirit Rock, I want to go to Spirit Rock and I should just be transported there by my good intention or how how awakened I am and you know if that can happen I'm open to that but I haven't seen it so much happen for people um, so so understanding is a is a maybe I'll, I'll add this is some context to how I've been talking about things so you'll notice I talk on two levels. I'm talking on the relative level and I'm talking on what's called the ultimate level, both levels. And there, it's one of the teachings in Buddhism is on the two truths, the truth of relative reality and the truth of ultimate reality. And as I said before, they're equally true. They're equally true. It's not, oh, we get to ultimate reality and then we look down on relative reality, even though a lot of people do that. That's not what's being suggested. What's being suggested is, oh, reality comes in a variety of flavors and forms and it's all true. But if we're attached just to one, 
That's a limit of understanding. That's a limited realization of what's possible for us as human beings. And that's why it's so beautiful, somebody like the Dalai Lama, who functions very much in the real world as well as in the spiritual world. By real world, I mean, technically, he's the head of a country, right? A country that's been occupied for, I don't know, 60 years now, something like that. And he's dealt with the dukkha, with the suffering of the Tibetan people having their country occupied for the last 60 years and all the suffering that's come with it. And yet he still practices with that reality, even though he might not be happy about it or it might not be the reality he wants. It's the reality that he's been given in this, as he would say, in this lifetime. And so his understanding as a real human being keeps coming forward in how he deals with real human situations like oppression and like the prejudice of the Chinese government against the Tibetan against Tibetan Buddhism for sure and you know maybe to the Tibetan people I don't know well enough to say that accurately but um but definitely a certain prejudice against religion that comes out of the the current um uh, politics in China and and he's very real about it meaning he's real he understands that his being real with things and un, and working with his understanding both on the relative and on the ultimate are all good are all important are all needed to respond to reality so here's here's one thing I, I I mention from time to time. You know, I've been around the Dalai Lama a little bit, and it's always beautiful, quite a blessing to be around the Dalai Lama. But, you know, the Dalai Lama gets angry, right? Is that a surprise to anybody? Right? I mean, even though he's like this considered enlightened Buddhist teacher, no, no doubt about that, but he, he gets angry. And he has reasons to get angry. And it's part of what he works with as practice. And he starts to, he, he knows how to work with that level. And it doesn't deny the other levels of reality that he understands and he knows. And actually, I've often been surprised how some of the most famous Buddhist teachers get really angry just to, to uh, make you comfortable with your own anger. Um, really, I don't want to out anybody else, but boy, I've been surprised sometimes. Some people who do a lot of teaching about no anger, no anger. Wow, this guy is fucking angry. You know, it's like, surprised the hell out of me. And I like the people. I like all these people. They're, they're good souls, no doubt about it. Even if you don't have a soul in Buddhism, they're good souls. <laughs> so, um, so one of the things I appreciate is the emphasis on understanding because it's a normal part of what it is to be a human. And it has its relative level of reality that we all know. We all have the experience of understanding things. And then there's also other levels of understanding that's possible for us as human beings. And meaning beginning to understand the nature of the way things are is possible for each person here. And I know for myself early on, I thought, oh, that's that may be possible for the Dalai Lama, but not for me. And that may be true, but... Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. It's only by practicing that we discover if that is actually true or not because I know the potential is here for each of us, that it's part of the potential of what's sitting in your seat. And, and every human seat, it has the, every human being has the potential 
to wake up to the reality that is sitting here. And, and when I say that, really, I'm implying the depth of reality that's sitting here and the understanding of that reality. And so, Saira Utejaniya, who I appreciate very much as a teacher, he talks a lot about understanding. And he uses that word and keeps pointing at understanding. First of all, even in the questions, those are very Utejaniya-style questions. Are you aware? What are you aware of? You want to understand that much. Are you aware? What are you aware of? And then beginning to understand, oh, what's your relationship to what you're aware of? You like it, you don't like it, it's pleasant, it's unpleasant, you, you value it, you don't value it. What, whatever it is, you turn away from it, you open to it. What's the, what's the liveness that's happening in relation to the experience that's being known and the understanding of all of those. And he also says, here's some, I have a lot of quotes from Utejaniya on, uh, on understanding. He says, here, I'm going to give you a few. He says this, mimicking the Buddha quite, quite Clearly, he says, having a desire to really understand what is going on is more important than just trying to be aware. Having a desire to understand what is going on is much more important than just trying to be aware. We practice mindfulness meditation because we want to understand. And that's, I, I love that that's in the Buddhist teaching, partly because it's so uh, human syntonic. It so easily falls into alignment with what it is to be a human being. There's, there's a lot we want to understand from, you know, <laughs> excuse me for this, but what channel are the warriors on tonight or not? You know, I want to understand that so I can watch them later. Or, or um, you know, or w- who and what is speaking here? I also want to understand that. Or who who's sitting here? Who are you? Really, because I have no idea who most of you are. And even some of you, I have some idea who you are, and my idea is not accurate. It's only part of who and what you are. And so the, the understanding and the curiosity that comes with wanting to understand, I think makes life totally cool, at least my opinion. And, and here, again, some more about this. Um, well, it's the same quote, actually. I don't think I should read the same quote twice. Um, um, here's something else that Sayadaw says, Sayadaw Utejaniya, that I, I love because, again, I'm just giving you a little of my background because I did a lot of retreat practice early on and I thought retreats were totally where it's at. Okay, go on retreat. You don't have to relate to anybody on a retreat. It's very cool that way, I thought. And, uh, and, and you get to be quiet and shit happens. Even if you're a bad meditator, meaning shit, good shit happens. Let me be clarify my language. <laughs> Things happen that are like, wow, what is that? And so the the understanding and the curiosity and the practice start to have their own momentum. Because we start to see things and it's like all of a sudden you understand, oh, this is what it is to sit. And before, we didn't quite understand. We thought we understood. And that cycle happens over and over again in practice, not just a one-time cycle. We have a certain amount of understanding and intelligence. Great. It's really good. And then we keep practicing, and then we hit another level of practice. Wow, now I really understand what it means to sit. And that happens, and people who sit a long time know this feeling. And, And then... And then, and then it happens again. 
because reality in Eugene's language is totally wild and so we keep discovering more of this wild reality that we are and so Utejaniya says he says if you want to have real understanding if you want to have a real understanding we must practice in real situations if you want to have a real understanding we must practice in real situations and for me that helps erase this line between spirit rock and our lives and our home excuse me trying to get comfortable um Um, meaning daily life can be very deep practice. Everyday life can be practice, but it takes a, a not the usual orientation. We want to be asking ourselves the same question when we're in the grocery store, meaning, oh, am I aware? What am I aware of? What's my relationship to what I'm aware of? And start to see what happens as we practice 24-7 in a real way. And it's doable. You don't have to tell anybody at the grocery store that you're practicing or, you know, how enlightened you are or how deep it is. You know, you could if you want to, but they probably won't quite get it. Um... But it begins to synchronize the Buddhist teaching with living a daily life, right? That we that life becomes practice, and by by that I don't mean you have to stop living your life, enjoying your life, having fun in your life, having a difficult time in your life. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to actually fix anything but you may start to have more freedom in your daily life, in what you're actually living as, as one's life, meaning work and relationships and family and politics, right? I mean, just politics is a lot of dukkha, right? <laughs> it, it is for most of us, meaning, meaning there's a lot of suffering in the world, a lot of suffering and 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 how to work with it skillfully, we don't yet understand fully how to live together, all of us human beings. Like that seems pretty clear to me. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But as far as I can tell, we're still discovering how to live together in this world. And so that becomes part of practice and part of what we want to understand, how to do that. Because we all have, I believe, you can tell me if I'm wrong, we all have the intuition that we could do, we could live together, that we could all live together. And it doesn't matter what color, what race, what, what religion, what culture, what, what country, what politics, that there's something underlying that we share that we all intuit. Right? Oh, we're all human beings. And to start to understand, oh, what does that mean that we're all human beings? Whether we're, you know, in San Francisco or whether we're in Idaho or whether we're in Vancouver or whether we're in Mexico City or whether we're in, you know, Guatemala or whether we're in, you know, wherever it might be. South Africa or, or, or Thailand or, or Bhutan or wherever we might be. That there's this humanness that we share and we can't stop sharing. It's part of who and what we are. We're all humans. And so understanding becomes an important part of practice. And there's this 
odd dynamic that can happen with practice is that we can start to land in our experience and land in our curiosity and start to understand things and the understanding with it brings some feeling of freedom. When we understand reality, we have more freedom to respond to reality when we understand, when we have some comprehension in that way of understanding or standing under. It's actually a nice word, understanding. Um, Funny, I was pulling out, I have lots of quotes which I've collected over too many years of teaching. And uh, the one from Baruch Spinoza, who I didn't know much about Spinoza, I guess a philosopher, Spinoza. But I went to his grave. I was in Holland one year and somebody said, oh yeah, where, where you? I used to ride my bike out somewhere. And they said, oh yeah, there's a grave. I, I said I'd been to a graveyard because I have a little bit of odd appreciation for graveyards, so I go to them when I can. And I was at a, I told somebody I was at a, this graveyard. He said, oh, that uh, graveyard, Spinoza's born there. Or, excuse me, died, died there. <laughs> Maybe reborn there, who knows. But he died, he was buried there. So I went back one time and I went to his grave because he was somebody in the human stream of lineage. And he said, the more clearly you understand yourself, the more clearly you understand yourself and your emotions, the more clearly you understand yourself and your emotions, the more you become a lover of what is. The more clearly you understand yourself and your emotions, the more, the more you become a lover of what is. I thought that was a very good line from Spinoza. You have a question? Uh-huh. Analysis is paralysis. So you're because I'm talking about understanding. So you're you're thinking about it. You're contemplating it in terms of understanding somebody else. Right. Correct. So so that's so there's different levels of understanding, and one relative level that sometimes is accurate is analysis or thinking about it, or figuring it out, and that can be helpful at times. And then there can be other levels of understanding, of understanding somebody else that happen very subtly or simply. Like sometimes I've walked into a room and somebody's been there and it's like, oh, they're angry, or they're sad. And, and then you, you know, you, and you just feel it. Right, and then there's other levels, more even more intuitive levels of understanding that might happen with somebody when you think, "Whoa, who is?" You don't even know who that person is, and you know that clearly, and you understand, "Oh, there's somebody you don't know," not in a bad way, but there's more to learn. So I'm just pointing to what's possible here in terms of understanding and even understanding other people. Is that helpful for what... Sure. So, great. Yeah. Right. So you're, what you're saying is the idea that we understand can become an obstacle to some direct experience of what we're trying to understand. And that's, that's really great to say that because it's one reason why the relative and the ultimate is pointed at in Buddhism because it's not to be attached. Even if we have a relative idea, it may be true. It's not the end of the story either. And so, so we start to live 
in a paradoxical world. And that is not just living on one dimension of reality, but starting to relax and see, oh, yeah, I understand this and this, and there may be more to discover still, or more that I don't understand. And to be honest, that's true for every person I've ever known. There's more for me to... You know, I've been married uh, 25 years or so, and every once in a while I realize, well, I have no idea who this person is. <laughs> and and it, in some ways it's humorous, and it is, and we even laugh about it, we play about it, but it's also totally enlivening, enlivening to the situation. Be, and here, here's a, here, I'll give you another example. So I have a daughter, and when she was young, people always used to ask me to teach her how to meditate. And I'm like, no, I never taught her how to meditate. If she wanted to learn, I would teach her. But, but we would play this meditation game sometimes. And we would sit down. She was probably, <laughs> she was probably I don't know, eight, six, seven, eight, when we started doing this. We would sit down. And I would say, okay, you can look at me, and I'll look at you. And I'm going to see that you're not my daughter, and you see that I'm not your dad. And she would do this with me, and we would look. We'd look right there, you know, for about 30 seconds or a minute, and she'd go, okay, that's enough. That's enough. And it was, it was a little playing with breaking the roles that we're both in, but don't define us totally. And she would tell me later, she said, oh, I loved having you see, see that I'm not your daughter. Or I, let me think if I've got it right. Uh, no, no, I, I can't remember, to be honest, a long time ago. One of them she would say I loved, and the other one she said, no, no, I didn't like that. But I believe it was, she liked when I didn't see it was her daughter. She was my daughter because it meant she was freer than that idea. But she said, but I like seeing you as my dad. You be my dad. That's okay. That was a little more uncomfortable for her. That's when she would go like this. Because that was, she was young. <laughs> and, and it might have been too, too young to do that. But it was, it was a very interesting um, uh, practice. It's so funny. I'm thinking, now I'm just free associating here, so you're going to get some of it. Um, <laughs> Because uh, she was being interviewed recently, and she wanted me to see the interview, and she said, uh, "She said, oh yeah, they were asking me about my parents, because she said she had a Buddhist dad, a Buddhist teacher, or a Buddhist priest, something, and and she's and she had, was telling them behind the scenes about her parents, and she told them this story." about the game we used to play. She said, oh, no, he didn't try to make me a Buddhist, but we would play this weird game sometimes. And, and really, it's funny to remember all this, and it's current now, because this was just a few weeks ago. So anyhow, is that a little bit helpful? Because that's a great question, and it's one of the paradoxes of practice, and why the self and not self teaching is so helpful, is because we're not trying to get rid of the self, but we're, we're bigger than the self. There's self and there's also not self here. And that allows for a lot of freedom for responding. Because then we see there's whoever you are and there's more than who I believe you are is right here. Okay. So let's do a little more inquiry. Um, Okay, so again, we're going groups of three. Um, um, and, and I'm going to say, give wait, a little more inquiry uh, context. Remember, the inquiry is about both the content and the presence. Both. It's about the content. I'm going to give you some more content to explore, to investigate, to look at, to inquire into. But it's not just about the content. It's about the presence of what happens right here while you're inquiring. Is that clear? 
Does that make sense? So you may start with the content, but then you may go into something that's happening right now about, about how investigating the content is impacting you. And the impact could be um, uh, somatic or affective or mental or whatever way it might be. And it all becomes part of the inquiry practice of investigation. Okay, so here I'll give you three, three questions to play with. Meaning play means you might touch a little on each of them. You see where you're drawn. See what resonates or what touches you or moves you. And then go, go with what's coming. And the first question, and it's good to write them down so then you have them. Tell me something you understand about the Dharma. Tell me something, and there's, there's paper and pen, pencils in the back if you need them on the table. Tell me something you understand about the Dharma. And then speak a little bit also to tell me something you don't understand about the Dharma. Because we want to include both what we know, what we don't know. So tell me something you understand about the Dharma. Tell me something you don't understand about the Dharma. And tell me something you love about the Dharma. Tell me something you love about the Dharma. And we're looking at your relationship to the Dharma. And there's not a right or wrong here. There's not a way it's supposed to be. What, where, where the Dharma is, is in what's true for you. That's where the Dharma will be. Okay, is that all clear? Yes. Question. Dharma translated as truth. Talk, talk. So the the comment is: there's the Buddha Dharma, which is partly what I'm pointing at, and really mostly what I'm pointing at, and saying, okay, see what your experience is, and then Dharma means truth. So what about the other truths that come? Do whatever you want. Go for it, and see what comes. Okay. Any other questions before we start? Okay, again, groups of three, good to change it up again. Because remember, it's good not to be totally comfortable here. (laughs) Uncomfortable is a great thing to learn how to get relaxed with being uncomfortable. (laughs) Make partners and then sit down, be quiet. And raise your hand if you need a third. Raise your hand if you don't have a group of three. Anybody? Do you need? How many do you need? There's, there's one, and if there's groups of two, get together and make yourself threes. Okay, keep your hands up if you need somebody. Okay. You may have a one group of two. Is that okay? Okay. So we'll do... Um, Okay, everybody ready to go? Hello. Hello, hello. Everybody everybody in a group? Okay, you're good? You've got a group? So we've got one group of two. Any other groups of two? No. You have three? Okay, you're okay. 
So we have one group of two. And really, okay, let's do it. Okay, we'll leave you as two if that's okay. Okay, so, um, and you all pick who starts first this time, okay? And I'll ring bells. Okay? Okay, let's go. Let the second person start, please. switch to the third person. Please reshape as a group. a few moments before we need to end. So any comments, questions? What did you see? What did you learn? Not learn? What was your experience like? What's your practice like right now? Any part of that? Please. Um, Hi, I'm Kaden. I feel like what came out of the two triads that I had today was, um, I don't know, I don't, I'm 
new to meditation a lot and I don't know much about Buddhism or Dharma or a lot of the things, but I feel like what I have learned today is that I came to meditation to get out of my mind and to kind of like ignore uh-huh. it and escape it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like feel very comfortable just like noticing um, noticing the body and noticing emotions and noticing feelings and pain or like whatever uh-huh. comes in in the body and doing that without judgment. But the second I start thinking, uh-huh. then there's judgment. So, right. yeah. So, so that's great to see so one of the things you might play with as you continue to meditate is sit down for, if you're going to sit for 30 minutes, sit down for the first 10 minutes and just be mindful of your mind. Because it'll do its thing. Trust me. <laughs> and go ahead. Well, how do you not, because when you were talking to the person who um, is very visual, like gets lost in the visual, I feel like I'm a teacher and I'm a writer, so I get lost in language. So right. the second, Great. like the words, then I right. I feel like I completely lose, I lose, it feels like I lose words because so, I get totally so lost in that. Good, good question. So come back to your body and then be aware of where are you being aware of your mind from? Okay. Okay. And play with it. Because you're already aware, oh, your mind's going and it's, oh, it's good, that's good, I could write that, I could do a whole book on that. Wow, that's fantastic. You're aware of that. Start to bring the awareness into the experience so you're aware of, oh, you're thinking, you're liking what you're thinking, you're excited by what you're thinking. So you're being aware, you're aware of what you're aware of, and you start to be aware of your relationship to what you're aware of, including your thoughts. Okay? Great. Please. I noticed that... Yeah, yeah, sure. Um... I think I have a tendency to share, and I wanted to wait and see if anyone else had anything to share. So I was just noticing that about myself <laughs> first. But what I got from that last triad was a couple things. One was um, listening to the third person share, who was really in her sharing, I could feel her joy and, and the blessing of the path for her. And that was just the, the, the path for her, that, she's, path, that, that yeah. she said something about, I'm not going to turn back. I know this is... Right. And that was just, it was, a, it was a really neat experience for me because uh-huh. I've been working and doing meditation for a long, long time, but I see myself sometimes switching teachings or whatever. And so it was just a great piece of awareness for me to find what I love, which is mindfulness, uh-huh. but also to see the way I can get lost as opposed to hunkering in uh-huh. and just appreciating the reflection through another person. So you know? I'll, I'll, I'll say it in my words. So yeah. I hear you saying you saw, you felt some, saw, felt, understood something in somebody else and then it helped you understand something about yourself at the same time. And that is lovely. Yeah. And that's part of what's possible for us as we practice 24-7. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other piece I could say is just how much I really am appreciating. You keep pointing us back to presence and the unbounding right. of our, our, of our you know, attachments. And I'm just really appreciating the whole sure. day. And Great. that's something I love. Great. Yeah, I appreciate so that too. And, you know, hopefully it's a little helpful for all of us. And We'll keep going. Okay. Great. Thank you. Here. Please. Thank you. Um, What I noticed about myself with this last exercise was the fact that um, there was really no way for me to black and white answer the questions Mm -hmm. And so I found that the best way for me to answer the questions was to share something about myself, an experience that I had um, that 
for me just opened up um, my heart to trust and being authentic and and being honest with these two people that I I don't know. Uh-huh. And um, point point the mic at you. yeah. Oh, and and so for me it created this this um, this bonding. Yeah, this bonding, a this bonding, bonding, a, a, bonding. Great. A relatedness, yeah. and yeah. I realized that that's so important to me. Right. And both of my shares was was right. really about right. honoring me and honoring the other person. Yeah, right. Great, beautiful. So you're describing a certain kind of understanding about the investigative process, and especially the relational component of the of the investigative process for you as part of your understanding and your inquiry. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, great, great, great to hear. And that's why the content is important, but the not content is important also. Okay. Um, let's see if I can... <laughs> retrieve this um, I noticed that um, speaking about being uncomfortable you know that was a good thing you had mentioned right before that if I was speaking to my understanding or not understanding of the Dharma and what I love but if I came into the immediacy and sort of was just letting it flow in the immediacy yeah. and not uh-huh. kind of really just then what, what, um, not what <laughs> there was something you were not doing yeah well I wasn't not doing it but there was something that wasn't happening okay something. that normally might happen maybe a little monitoring or uh-huh. a little minor subtle uh-huh. control uh-huh. right so as it just rolled and um, was spontaneous that was uncomfortable uh-huh. that immediacy of not controlling myself there was very kind of openness to it but uh-huh. it was like Whoa. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. yeah. So it wasn't terrible, but I, I noticed the difference between right. answering the question and the being in the moment with Right. Yeah. Yeah, great, because it's true. We're we're all a little bit attached to controlling reality. And guess what? It's not possible. And so that's why they say the Dharma is coming into alignment with the way things are. Because we have very little control, actually. We pretend we have control. And so letting go of the pretending of reality lets reality start to do itself. Anything else before we stop? So, oh, there we go. Great. Hi. Hi. So the last comment just woke something up in me. Um, my own noticing that um, I, I also felt sort of intellectually attached to the questions to begin with. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then when I realized I didn't have the right intellectual answer... Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> sort of letting the answer come and then wondering what the feedback might be, uh-huh. looking at the faces of the two people I was sitting with and not knowing uh-huh. uh, what they were thinking of what I was saying. A lot. I think what I'm trying to say is there was a lot going on. Yes. Um, for me, you know, wanting to do the right thing, say the right thing, and sure. then letting go of that, and then saying great. whatever's coming up, and then wondering how that's landing. Sure, and then, sure. So, yeah, um, no, great. And it's great to be aware of all that, because that's happening all the time. Mm-hmm. We're all, we all have those things. Not everything, every moment, but those kind of... When we're relating, we're, you know, am I, what I'm saying right? Is it good? Is it the right thing? Oh, how are they seeing me? That's happening all the time. And who knows how the hell anybody's seeing us, really? And 
you know, I mean, you can ask, but they don't even know how they're seeing you either, except for their first idea. You know? but, but, but starting to see that, something can start to relax about not being identified with that habit that happens for all of us to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. And then the Dharma starts to do itself. Okay, great. Thanks. Thank you. One more. Yeah, I I think I found myself asking myself how how sure I am that every what you said earlier that everyone has the potential to necessarily sit with certain truths and recognize certain truths, uh-huh. and and I think I found myself asking myself whether or not I truly believe that, uh-huh. and whether or not. Sure. I actually um, kind of just trying to distinguish in my mind unpleasantness from suffering and, and whether or not I, I believe that necessarily I can sit with these truths um, and tolerate that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, so that's where I kind of found myself. Sure. And that makes total sense. And that's a great question you're asking because you don't want to pretend you want to see, oh yeah, what's your actual experience? What do I believe? Because whatever you believe will impact your experience. And so just seeing what we believe gives us the option for believing or not at some point. Or it, it, let me say it this way. It might give us that option. How's that? I, I, can, I can go more with that one. <laughs> I got that. So, so, and it's true because sometimes we believe things even when they're not true and we know they're not true and we still believe it. So that's another level of inquiry about why that happens and understanding that. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Okay. That anything else? Last one, or is that it? Okay. When Wendy has the last one. Um, I've been really contemplating this concept of the, the sure heart's release, uh-huh. and what I said I loved about the Dharma was that it it opened my heart. Take your time. <laughs> and. The that it's you know it's about trust, like the, just trying to understand what that that phrase means, and it's like being able to trust um, and, and and let go, uh-huh. and right. that's been like the key for me, uh-huh. um, along along with the whole paradoxical nature of the Dharma, which uh-huh. is. The more you think you know, the less you know. The knowing, it's like it's being able to know and, and accept that you don't know. Uh-huh. And being comfortable with that on some level, which uh-huh, is yeah. not comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, no, you're saying it all well. And it's just this, yeah, and it's that constant being faced with this paradox of just as soon as you think you know, then that's gone, and then you don't know. Uh-huh. And you're with this next moment of, I don't know. Uh-huh. And it's different. And it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's and, and being but, able to accept that, I think. Yeah, okay. Well, I could, <laughs> if we had more time, we could spend more time with right. this. But, but it is interesting to know, and then to not to know, and to know that you don't know, means you're also knowing at the same time you don't know. Right, right. <laughs> Which is the paradox. Right. Because reality is all right here, right now. And then it's gone. And, but, and then it's there. And then it's not, <laughs> and it's not gone. And it's not gone. Right, that's yeah. the paradox, yeah. right. And, the, and getting comfortable with that is part of what practice seems to do. It gets us comfortable with it in a not... Uncomfortable sort of way. (laughs) It can be. It can also be incredibly pleasurable Mm. and blissful and freeing and lovely, and and but it's not solid. 
it's alive. Yeah. And that's part of the wild, wild part in my language, that it's all alive. Okay, thanks. Okay, thank you. So let's sit for a moment as we end, just to take a moment to reflect on our day, how the day was, the liking of the day or the not liking of the day, of the but to reflect a little that we've all had the, we've spent the day together and we've had the time and the place and teachings of the Buddha to, we've had the good fortune to have the time and place and opportunity and the support to be here and to inquire into what does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean to wake up? And appreciating the blessings of this good fortune, may it be for our benefit, may it be for the benefit of everybody here, and may it be for the benefit of all beings. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering in, on every level, on any level of suffering. May all beings be free from suffering. And may we investigate together our Buddha nature and the nature of reality. May all beings be free. Thank you for your presence and our time together. Good to be with you all. And let's keep practicing for the next, you know, 3,000 years and see what happens. <laughs> Please be well, everybody. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.